Good morning everyone, it's so good to be here with you. Thank you for logging on and uh, it is great to have you here today. You know, one thing I love about these services that I've seen over the last couple of weeks is how easy it is to invite your friends to it. And I wanna say if you've been invited by a friend, maybe they just sent you a random link and you clicked on it, it is really good to have you here today. Hey, over the next 30 minutes or so, I can promise you you're gonna hear something real and relevant to your life at this moment, especially during this lockdown. And I don't know how it's been for you guys, uh, but personally, I've gotta jump in and say, I've absolutely loved lockdown life. Um, I've, uh, I've enjoyed every moment of it, although I will say it is incredibly tiring. Let me paint a picture of my typical day, okay? So I wake up at 7 a.m. and about a couple of hours later, honestly, I roll out of bed um, and uh, get the breakfast ready. And after breakfast, I set the kids up uh, for school while my wife goes off to work uh, for the morning. And then around 12, one o'clock or so, we stop, we go for our uh, daily bike ride, and then we return to lunch in front of the TV where we might watch something. And then around two o'clock or so, my wife comes home from work and I get to start a full day's work. Uh, as I said, it's incredibly tiring or satisfying. Now, what I gave you there was the Instagram filtered version of my life, and I would have had a couple of snaps to go with it. The truth is this. Uh, our actual experience is as soon as Tara goes to work, that's when it starts to descend into chaos. Now, there are moments when me and the kids are laughing uh, with each other, but there are also moments where we're full-blown shouting at each other and the whole street can hear it. And I'm not saying that's a good thing, it's just being honest with you guys. Let me just tell you some of the favorite comments I've had from my kids so far. First of all this, Daddy, we're family. We don't need to be friends, which actually really hurt. And then secondly, as one of my kids with their heads on the table and their head in their hands, and they just turned around and said, I give up. You're the worst teacher ever. Now, I couldn't disagree with them. I will say this, if you are a teacher or if you know a teacher, I'm in awe of what you do. I will never underestimate your secret and superpowers ever again. I, I just, you know, it's just amazing what you do. But, heartbreak aside and joking apart, I genuinely love my girls with everything I have. And I can handle a little bit of disagreement and discipline, but there's part of me during this time that is a little bit worried. And if pressed, I would say that I'm worried about the kind of impact that this is gonna have on their education and indeed their future. You know, I know it's unreasonable and I, I expect most of you just to disagree and say, hey, everyone's in the same boat, we're all just making this up. But that's just honestly, if something is worrying me at the moment, it's that, that's the most prevalent thing. I'm gonna ask the question, what future uncertainties are you worried about today? What is it that's bothering you or your mind wanders to when you have a moment? Perhaps it's health and you're worried that that little cough or that little lump or that little twinge might actually turn out to be something more serious. Perhaps it's work and you're worried that there are inevitable cuts coming down the line and you might be or probably will be one of them or that you're not confident that the right job is out there for you or perhaps you've poured yourself and your life into a business that you've started and you are totally expecting that it won't survive at this um, moment. Or perhaps it's a relationship. You know, you're single at the moment and this was the year that you were gonna meet someone. Oh yes it was. 
and that's proved somewhat difficult. Or you're together and you're wondering if you're actually just going to last and that's a serious question and after spending 24-7 with each other, you're asking those difficult questions. You know, I will say this, if you weren't worried before, I'm sure after listening to that, maybe I'll put a few things in your mind. Sorry about that. But do you know what? If any of those are you, if any of those resonate, or perhaps you've got your own thing, I, I just want to ask you not to turn off your device at this moment. But I want you to stay until the end, because what I'm hoping to do, what I will do, is give you a formula uh, that will help you face your future uncertainties without the worry. And that would be something we'd all benefit from. Now, a bit of context before I dive into the formula. Over the last couple of months of homeschooling, me and my girls have managed to get through all of the Star Wars movies from beginning to end. You know, it has been an epic experience, and now we quote Star Wars quotes at each other all the time. It's hilarious. But one of our favorite quotes is one that is subtly repeated almost uh, or across several movies. And it seems to be the theme for any big mission that they undertake. And it's this, what we need to do is we need to disable the shield, we need to attack the thing, and we need to destroy the weapon. Yeah, that's right. You come up to the Death Star, we need to disable the shield, we need to attack the thing, and we need to destroy the weapon. We get to Rogue One, disable the shield, attack the thing, destroy the weapon. It's that over and over again. Now, you can put it down to lockdown madness. I'm absolutely fine with that. But I'm going to go ahead and steal that mission formula uh, for my talk today. And we're going to disable the confusion. We're going to attack the lie and we're gonna destroy the worry. Okay, if that's not your boat, then just ignore me, but go with the formula, because it makes sense. Are you ready? Let's go. Disable the confusion. You know, some of you may already know exactly what Jesus says about worry or anxiety. He says it so clearly in Matthew 6, 34, and a couple of other places as well. He says this, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. And that's it. That's uh, all you need to know. It's simple, right? Do not worry. Uh, maybe. So it reminds me of uh, a TikTok uh, video. I love TikTok. And uh, there was this moment where this guy uh, had his phone and he had his wife in the background who was doing something. And he says to the phone, to TikTok, he says, hey guys, I just want to say we've been married for 10 years today. I'm really excited. I just want to take a moment to thank my wife, but also offer you guys some hints and tips about how to have a healthy, long-lasting marriage. Number one, if your wife is being unreasonable, I'll tell you what you need to do. Just turn around and tell her, wife, you're being unreasonable, and I guarantee she will stop being unreasonable and you'll be able to get on with life. Now, you should have seen everything summed up in the woman's reaction. That is not the way to go. You know, Jesus, what do you mean? We say, do not worry. Can't be that simple. That doesn't make sense. I mean, did you not hear what I just said? I have no idea how this thing is going to turn out. But all I can see is it not being good. You see, I'm worried. How can I not be worried? That's the problem. You see, we have to understand that Jesus was not saying, hey, stop complaining, cut it out, be happy, get over it. He was not saying that at all. He doesn't say anything like that anywhere in the scriptures. Instead, he explains to us the why. And he reasons with us and helps us understand. You know, it's like we've stepped on a piece of glass and he's saying, look, if you carry on this way, 
it's gonna hurt. But if you sit down, if you just take a moment, let me come near it. If you listen to my instructions, then I can get it out, remove that pain, and I can remove it for you. You see, the first thing that Jesus is doing, and he wants to do, is remove the confusion about worry or anxiety. It's written both ways in the Bible. You see, anxiety genuinely has a purpose. It's a healthy reaction. It helps you avoid danger, and it's a good thing. You see, you encounter an aggressive person or an angry dog on the street, you're worried you might get hurt. That's a real thing. You're about to fly and you're worried the plane might crash. Statistically low, but it's a real thing. And you're about to walk into a job interview and you're worried you might mess it up and all the consequences from that. It's a real thing. They're not necessarily great moments to have worry, but it's a real thing at those moments. You see, these are specific dangers that your body responds to with adrenaline to help you fight or flight. You are ready for drastic action. However, if that danger is not specific, if it's not immediate, such as a financial danger or a professional danger or relationship danger in your mind, but you're worried all the same, then your body just sits in that adrenaline condition waiting for something to happen. But it's not made to do that. And eventually, you literally will burn out. You'll get ulcers, you'll get hypertension, you'll get high blood pressure, and all of that will be the result. You see, when Jesus says, do not worry about tomorrow, his emphasis is tomorrow. He's saying, be careful about confusing genuine worry of an immediate danger with something that's in the future. In other words, don't confuse actual danger with potential danger, or more importantly, don't confuse something you can control and do something about with something you cannot control and you have no control over. I love how Lamentations 3 uh, verse, verses 20 to 20, 22 to 23 puts it. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. His compassions, and some translations will add mercies or helps or strength. His compassions will never fail. They are a new every single morning. Great is your faithfulness, God. You see, God gives us new mercies every single day. In other words, today's mercies are for today's problems. And that's where we're getting confused. You see, in his kindness, God says, hey, I haven't come to weigh you down with an impossible to-do list going 10 years into the future. I'm not here to burden or overwhelm you. Don't let tomorrow's worries steal from today's joys that I have for you. Leave tomorrow's worries with me. And tomorrow I'll give you what you need and for tomorrow's problems. You see, what did Jesus give us, teach us to pray? He said, give us this day our daily bread. Just like the manna in the desert, God says, don't worry about storing it up. I'll give you what you need today, and I'll give you what you need tomorrow, and the day after, and the day after that. But today, I'm giving you what you need for today. Now, it's vital that we hear Jesus well on this. He's not saying, just don't care about tomorrow. It's not important. He's actually saying the complete opposite. He's saying, look, tomorrow, your tomorrow is probably more important to me than it is to you, because I know exactly what's coming up. And, you know, I want you and just ask yourself this question for today. Have I done everything I can do today? Have I applied for that job or written my CV? Have I budgeted or stuck to my budget? 
Have I made a doctor's appointment? Have I been for that blood test? If yes, then there's nothing else that you need to do today. You can rest, you can enjoy life, you can enjoy me, and I'll give you what you need when you come to the next step tomorrow. That's tomorrow's mission, tomorrow. So you can say to yourself realistically, you can say psychologically, physiologically, and just logically, there is nothing more that I can do today. So I have no reason to have this adrenaline pumping around my body right now, so I can stop worrying, right? You see, we can disable the confusion and that is absolutely imperative. The shield that stops us wasting energy flying around and around and around in circles, but it's probably not gonna be enough to stop you worrying. And why is that? And that's the big question. And it's probably because of the lie that we build our worries on. See, in order to face uncertainty tomorrow and not to worry about it today, we're going to need to attack the lie. But what is the lie? You see, the problem is this. We don't feel comfortable not knowing. We don't know if we can hand this over to someone else, even if it's God. That's not what we've been taught to do in life. We want the feeling of adequacy and strength today for what we will have to go through tomorrow. But God says, hey, look, trust me in this. I will give to you what you need when you need it. You see, the lie is this. We have it in our minds that in order to face tomorrow, we only have two options. Number one is we take charge and make it happen because we don't know if we can wait on God. And if we don't take charge, then disaster is going to come and it's all going to fall apart. And we better do something about this now. Otherwise, it's going to be my fault. That's number one. The second option we feel like we have is this. We give up. Okay, well, maybe we don't give up. Maybe we just become passive. There's nothing else I can do. So I just hope for the best in God or maybe in fate or, you know, more recently in the force, you know, whatever it is. That's true, by the way. Uh, Whatever it is, we basically just give up. You see, we either become the head or the tail. We either become the boss or the employee. We either become the master or the slave. Either we gain control or we feel out of control waiting for someone else to make the decision for us. You see, we've been led to believe that these are our only two options. Actively try and take control, which can be stressful and exhausting, and eventually you'll either cave under the pressure or you'll find an earthly way to deal or strategy to cope with it. Or two, you'll become passive, you'll feel out of control, which over time just becomes infuriating and scary, frankly. But there is some good news. There is some great news. According to the Bible, there is a third option. And we saw this initially in Adam and Eve. Let me just give you a bit of backstory. See, Adam and Eve started a pattern that we would repeat for all of humanity, even today in our own lives. You see, they were put on earth to rule over everything that God gave them. The land, the animals, the world itself. But unfortunately, greed the sin of believing the serpent's lie, and this is the lie that God was holding back. And that, in fact, if we wanted to, if we took control, we could probably take control of uh, God's actions and even the outcomes that come with it. You see, buying into this lie like a buy one, get one free, we surrendered our own relationship with God and our position of authority to the serpent. And in doing so, we became wanderers and slaves to the one who deceived us. And that became our lot. But this is the beautiful thing. Romans 5 says this, while we were still sinners, Christ 
died for us. You see, while we were wallowing in today, God had a plan for tomorrow. While we were still sinners today, Christ died for us that we could have a tomorrow. You see, when the day finally came, God had such love for the world that he came as a man in Jesus to undo the damage that the enemy had caused, breaking us free from captivity and on the cross purchasing us from slavery. And he didn't stop there. Now, this is where it gets absolutely amazing. You know, like the father in the story of the prodigal son, although we didn't even deserve a seat at the table, he ran to embrace us. He threw a robe over our shoulders and placed a ring on our fingers and he called us his beloved son or daughter. We were reinstated in full. You see, Romans 8, 15 puts it like this. The spirit that you have received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit that you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, this is what it says, then we are heirs, heirs to God and heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. You see, this is an open invitation to anyone who feels caught in that slavery, passive, waiting to see what happens mode. You see, the lie is this, that we either have to be our master and control of our own destiny or a slave submitted to God's will. When in truth, God has given us this third option to be reinstated and full as a son or as a daughter, as an heir. You see, this is massively different if you realize it and think about it. A son in that day, in this scripture, had this purpose and privilege on a daily basis. He took the number one place, the place of a number one servant in the uh, great mansion. Yes, he was a servant, but with authority. A son was a servant to the master, but towards everyone else, he was a king. You see, that's what God calls us to be. We don't need to actively seek control because we have all authority in heaven and on earth. And with the power that God has given us is for what he has called us to do this day. And if we don't, and we don't need to feel out of control, waiting for something to happen, because we can rest as a son, as a daughter, in the knowledge that our heavenly father, who gave up everything for us and didn't hold back, is in control of the house and our lives and our future are in his care. And if his house is to be run well, which his intention is for that, then he wants us to thrive. His desire is for us to thrive more than we could ever desire it for ourselves. So what does this mean? It means that we can trust him with everything and we can trust him even when we can't control something. But we stand with authority on a daily basis with what he has given us control over. I'm going to share a story with you. About six years ago, uh, me and my family, which was my wife, a toddler and a newborn baby at the time, we were living in a one-bedroom tiny little flat and we got driven out by an incredibly angry and potentially dangerous neighbour. Um, we had no choice of them for our own safety to end up in a place of uh, registered homelessness. And we ended up in actually what was quite nice, uh, quite a nice temporary accommodation 
But realistically, on a daily basis, we had no idea if we were gonna be there for a week, two weeks, six months. It was completely unknown. And more importantly, where we were gonna go next, what life, what place, what situation we were gonna end in. We were completely in the dark and completely out of control. And my wife, a lot more filled with faith than I was and is, um, you know, she prayed about it on a daily basis and yet managed to walk with joy in it. And I eventually caught on knowing that, okay, God, if you're good and I hold on to that, then you've got this. And so we had no solution. But one day, you know, as I just carried on with my daily task, I carried on with my job, I carried on with loving my family, I carried on with my friends. And one day I remember um, I had this appointment to preach at the university and I went and I did that and I spoke of God's goodness. Um, still figuring it out, but that was my daily challenge. I remember coming home to my wife and she, uh, she just said, look, I, I think you need to read this text. Uh, see, I've spoken to a lady today and told her a bit about our situation. She just sent me this message. And I said, okay, fine, I'll look at this text. And the text said this, hey, I don't think, I don't wanna sound rude or anything and I hope you don't think this sounds that, but, um, but you know, thinking about your situation today, uh, I wanna say that we have a spare house if you're interested. Why don't you come over and have a look? Now, I mean, our minds were utterly blown, utterly blown. And uh, even as we were thinking about it, okay, you know, because we were, I was especially thinking, okay, well, what, maybe it's gonna be too much, maybe it's not gonna work for us, maybe it's gonna be too small. We went over and saw possibly one of the most beautiful houses uh, that we had seen. And to top it all off, there's a gorgeous river that goes along the back garden. And so even in lockdown life now, six years later, our kids get to go out and play. And we looked at that and we said, God, all we did was went about our daily business and you, had our future secured. You know, I wanna hand that over as a testimony to say that's what God is like, that's how I know God. I had uncertainty about the future, but I, was, I wasn't a slave to that uncertainty. I did whatever God gave me that day to do and trusted him for tomorrow, or attempted to. And God's solution was far better, far better than anything that I could have made happen. You see, perhaps, you can have uncertainty. Perhaps you have uncertainty in your future right now, but that doesn't mean that you can't have certainty today in Christ's mercies and in the Father's plans for your life. And that certainty itself can change your world and destroy your worry where you are. You know, once again, let's revisit that Lamentations 3 passage. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are anew every morning, and great is your faithfulness. Okay, I'm got a few points here. Uh, they're kind of benefits of living this way, not as a slave, not as a master, but as an heir, as a son. And that is that certainty of today can free us up and give us a whole new life without having to be worrying about the uncertainty of the future. Listen to this. First of all, our certainty is in a person, not in an outcome. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. You see, Jesus didn't just talk about compassion. He didn't just do compassion. He was an advocate of it. He was compassionate. You see, we all know that God can do amazing things, but the question is, will he? And this is what this verse challenges. He cares. Every single person that came up to him in the Bible, he leant forward with compassion and care and pain for their pain, uh, the pain that they were going through and healed them. The leper, the, you know, so many people, and just watch him as he cries over Jerusalem. 
Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how my heart breaks for you and I long to gather you as hen gathers his chicks. This was after utter uh, rejection as well and, and so much more. You know, the one thing that never fails is his compassion, his mercies on a daily basis. And that's what we get to trust in. You see, not we can't, I can't, no one can say that everything is going to be okay all the time. But when you take your problems out of the middle of the universe, you actually become the middle of his universe. When you take your problems out of the center of the universe, you become the center of his universe. What do I mean by that? All things work for the good of those who love him, says Romans 8. You do see, you know, it says that when you give yourself over to God and say, I trust you and I have no idea what the future is, but I'm going to stand with you today, trust and you've got that and I'm doing what you've put in front of me. We begin to realize that what's happening, everything that happens is happening for you, for us, for God's people, for humanity. God's plans are perfect and good. The second thing is our certainty in today brings peace. You see, someone once said that worrying is like prayer in reverse. Prayer generally makes issues smaller and worrying makes issues bigger. Check out this in Philippians 4 in the message version. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. And before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It is wonderful when that happens, when what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. That's Philippians 4 verses 6 to 7. Okay, number three, our certainty inspires boldness. You see, when our brains go down that trail of worry, we say, hold on, hold on a second, time out. Have I done everything I can do today? Yes, okay. Then I've been responsible in the now, and now I can trust God with tomorrow. You know, about two years ago, this really bizarre thing happened. Tara had this idea that we were gonna hit this kind of worldwide crisis where, uh, you know, the world was gonna, you know, be overwhelmed and food was gonna be short on shelves and, you know, just hit her, overwhelmed her. And she could have just lived in that worry and in that panic, but instead what she did is, she went out shopping that day, in fact, and uh, she bought as many long-lasting, you know, pasta and cans and various other things. And over the two years, she topped it up. And now, I've got to be honest, I kind of mocked her about it. I thought it was ridiculous and hilarious. But, you know, when COVID hit, we actually had a playroom full of food. So much so that we were able to cook for our neighbours, our friends, those who were ill. You know, I look at um, that situation and say, we could have just gone, oh my gosh, am I gonna live in fear? I've had this premonition or this idea, but actually we did something about it today. And when it finally happened, completely unexpected, um, I'm not taking any of the credit for this, but we were prepared and we were able to be more than just ourselves in it. You know, some of you may say, what if God asks me to do something uh, completely strange? You know, of course he will, let's be honest. Uh, but because we know that he's a faithful and just and wise king and we're not, we can step out. You see, Abraham didn't want to give up Isaac. Moses didn't want to go to Pharaoh and Jesus definitely didn't want to go to the cross. But they knew his will was wise and right and just and good. And as they submitted to, as we submit to their submission, we get to spend the next 
billion years or so, thanking him and them for what they did, that he gave to them. See, our, our certainty can inspire boldness. Okay, number four, I believe, uh, our certainty means that we can make choices based on hope, not fear. You remember, uh, and it is key to remember this, that God is not in lockdown. You are, I am, but he is not. He is not limited by the world's issues and reservations and restrictions. God is God. He is above and beyond every single aspect of it. And as it says, because of God's, uh, Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. Have you ever been consumed, overwhelmed? I've given you a couple of examples already where you can't see the answer to the problem. You see, we have this opportunity to say, even if today is full of darkness, we are not consumed, we're not overwhelmed because we know that tomorrow or the next day or the next day that God has a plan, a purpose, and he's working it for our good. So even though we cannot see it, we live our life not based on the darkness and the fear. We can make choices based on hope, not fear. You know, there's a, a lady in the church, a wonderful lady who um, uh, works frontline at NHS. And I remember having a conversation to her very early on in this whole situation. And she uh, said, yes, yeah, she's going to work. She's facing these um, very sick patients and she's watching people pass away. And it's just traumatic. And I asked her how she's doing. And she said, look, you know, I'm, I'm not afraid of going into work. Where my heart goes is for those who are dying without anyone around them. I just feel prompted, I feel like a desire to just take off my gloves and place a hand on their hand so they know they're not alone during their last few moments. I mean, it just brought me to tears just thinking, here is someone who is basing their, uh, their life, their decisions on hope, not fear. And um, I actually don't know whether she managed to do that or whether she was allowed, I don't know, but I love the way she was thinking about it. And I commend her and that faith and that hope that she lived um, in. Okay, the next one. Our certainty doesn't die just because we have a bad day. You know, another thing I've learned from watching TV so much is if a movie or an episode ends in a bad way, we call it a cliffhanger. We know that there's more to come. It only feels complete when there's peace. You know, if your day has ended badly, it doesn't mean that it's all over. Call it a cliffhanger. Go to bed going, oh my gosh, I can't wait for the next episode. It's probably going to be painful. Now it's painful, but this is not the end. You see, we are dying to see the next part, but this is not the end. You know, I look back at my kids, just bringing this full circle as it were, and uh, you know, I, a couple of days after this, I slipped over trying to take a photo, and my, one of my daughters just turned around and said, Daddy, is the phone okay? And I was like, yeah, and so am I, thanks. Okay, so they're not gonna change straight away. Maybe tomorrow is not gonna look any better. But there'll be moments of hope if you look for them. Uh, Bella, our oldest eight-year-old, she said her initials BG, and she says they stand for before God. And we're like, oh, what does that mean? And she goes, well, that means uh, before God, because I stand before God. And she saw that as an amazing and tremendous and wonderful thing. And I looked at her and said, maybe there is hope after all. Okay, next one, our certainty, two more. Our certainty frees us to truly live. Let me ask you a question. What if you could wake up every single day and live your life as if you were absolutely confident that God 
was your heavenly father and that he could be trusted in every aspect how would your life look different? You see, you wouldn't stop worrying just because the future was certain. You wouldn't stop worrying because you knew exactly what's going to happen. You would stop worrying because you could start trusting in your heavenly father for the best for your life. And instead of putting all your hope in your own ability and your own strength and your own power and your own ability to predict the future and certainty to bring into place, which is incredibly stressful. In other words, your certainty in Jesus Christ frees you to just enjoy your life. Have I done everything I can? Yes, enjoy this day. And finally, our certainty will overcome mountains. Listen to this. The first attempt at creating the Panama Canal was made by the French in 1882. You see, they hired the world's most foremost engineer, Ferdinand de Lesseps who had recently completed the Suez uh, Canal. So he was, you know, he was the guy for this. But the work was abandoned, however, just after six years after it began. Was it too much? Was it more than he could account for? No, the height of the mountains was nothing compared to the bite of the mosquito. You see, yellow fever and malaria savaged the workforce. The mountains would not be conquered until the mosquitoes was con were controlled. Let me say this, there are a lot of people who try to tackle the mountains without first dealing with the mosquitoes. You see, once you choose to use God's mercy for today and leave tomorrow for, to um, for tomorrow, you'll no longer have to fight those constant niggles, those constant worries, those constant uh, doubts and insecurities. Instead, you'll be able to conquer mountains. As I said, uh, I really hope this has uh, resonated with you. It's helped me in preparing this. But uh, let me just pray. But as I do, let me just say this. Perhaps you do trust God that he's got you, that you're going to heaven and everything's sorted. But trusting that he saved you and trusting him on a daily basis are different. And so, you know, maybe this is something you need today where you need to resubmit that trust, recommit that trust into God on a daily basis. And maybe tomorrow's Alpha that uh, they're touching on the subject, how can I be sure of my faith is where you need to go just to kind of flesh that out. But I'm going to finish with this verse. <clears throat> Um, and I've been reading this to my kids and they've just been ignoring me, but I love this verse. It's in the um, ICB version of Psalm 139, verse 14. I praise you, Lord God, because you have made me in an amazing and wonderful way. What you have done is wonderful. I know this full well. Guys, you are amazing. You are wonderful. God knows that. I hope you do too. God bless and enjoy the rest of your day. Worry-free.